welcome to Bygones, the Ally McBeal Rewatch podcast. I'm Laura Jane Parker. And I'm Eleanor Parker. And we rewatch every episode of Ally McBeal through 2022 eyeballs. Yeah, and we're doing that today in the same room. In the same room <laughs> for the first time since pre pandemic times. Yeah, since so the before times. 2019. No, I think we last oh, recorded yes, January 2020. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you're right. That's crazy. Isn't that mad? I mean, obviously, we've been in the same room. Yeah, before, <laughs> yeah. But we haven't recorded the podcast that's, in the same room. Yeah. But, yeah, 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 it feels weird. I'm like, oh, how does this work? Oh, I don't need to have any headphones on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it's strange. It's really weird. But it's nice. I think we should try and do this again sometime. <laughs> yeah, we should. Um, and we're also recording it from our uh, parents' house, which is the last time we're going to be in that house together because they're moving. They're, they're moving. it. And it's like, oh, memories. <laughs> so yeah. long. House. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. So, uh, it's feeling all a bit different and new. <laughs> yeah. Different, new, sad, happy. <laughs> Bittersweet. It is a range of emotions. Um. So yeah, talking about uh. Well, we won't be talking about it. I don't have a segue for this. What I'm going <laughs> to say is that we um are also really happy to say that we got an email from um a lady. I think it's uh. I think she's a lady. Yes, yeah, France. She's a lady. If you're not, then I apologise for misgendering you. <laughs> not a lady, so My name is Francis. Francis. Um, and um, we got an email from Francis um, as they just uh, signed up to our patron. Um, and they've said, thank you, ladies. I've only recently discovered podcasts, the sad old fart I am. But as a big <laughs> Annie McBeal fan, was thrilled to find your podcast and have been binge listening ever since. I've watched every episode more times than I care to admit. But with limited time to watch again, the joys of a young family, I get to remember clearly each episode with your clear description whilst on the go. You ladies are such fun to listen to, and it's so interesting to hear the views of each episode with our current views and freedom slash confidence to voice valued opinions. I'm just about to start season three, and I'm already worrying about catching up to where you're at now and having to wait for each episode. Yeah, sorry, Francis, we're slow. Yeah, we, yeah, this season. <laughs> As extra content, one thing I'd be interested for you to add in would be cast information, juicy gossip on the actors, internal rifts slash friendships, etc. I know you've touched on RDJ's swoon, substance abuse. Um, I'm assuming she's swooning at RDJ and not the substance abuse. <laughs> Um, and that was the reason he no longer played a part. But this is all news to me, and I'd be interested if this could be a feature. That's interesting uh, feedback, actually. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes, like, uh, with shows, like, from the 90s, sometimes it can be hard to get, and like, I feel like they're, unless someone is interviewed about it, like, years later. It's hard later, to get, like, actual, yeah. verified facts about what's about going on. it because yeah. people just weren't wouldn't talk and there wasn't like the same access to, to their information that yeah, there was, but, yeah yeah so i mean we'll do our best but we uh yeah it, it is i think a bit what, difficult. what is useful feedback there for me is that you, we can't assume that everybody knows about the fact yes. that you know yeah. certain things happened on the show behind the scenes because yeah. we assume that people knew because it was quite big news at the time but actually not everyone's yeah. watching if it you weren't paying attention to as that. a repeat yeah they, they they may have just discovered the show i don't know but yeah mm. anyway um francis continues and says 
I have become a low-level patron as I think you well deserve it for all the work you put into each episode. Would love to be able to give more, but life is so bloody expensive oh. at the moment. Keep up the great work, Fran. Um, thank you, Fran. That was so nice to get that email um, from yes. you. Um, it's always nice, just to be clear, to get emails from anyone. Um, yeah. So we'd love to hear yeah. from you if you have any feedback, if you just want to add your two cents on any episode. Um, we are working slow enough that we can incorporate them into <laughs> yeah. a fairly recent episode from after you've uh, sent the email. So, um, yeah, no, please do let us know. Our email is bygonespodcast at gmail.com. Um, so, yeah, please feedback. Yes, and, um, and don't feel bad about not being able to give us more. Like, we're just grateful that you give us anything. Oh, yeah, <laughs> on the Patreon front, yeah. yeah. So our lowest tier is $1 a month, and actually we pause quite a lot of months at the moment, so whenever we can't get an episode out, on our three weekly schedule we don't mm. charge people because it's not fair um, yeah. and uh, yeah so one dollar uh, uh, every other month maybe yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's um, more than enough yeah. um, it's just we're just grateful to have the support yeah um, that's that's really the nice. important thing is yeah. just if you're listening you're supporting like um, it doesn't yeah. have to be monetary but we are very grateful for those who do yeah so it was nice to get that email it was very nice very lovely so what are we here to Okay, Discuss. well today we are going to be discussing um, season, what season are we on? Four. four. <laughs> I've not written it down for some reason. Um, so we're on season four, episode 14 called Boys Town. Boys back in town. <laughs> and that first... The worst kind of town. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go to Boys Town. <laughs> Avoid Boys Town at all costs. Um, so Boys Town... First aired 19th of February 2001. We interrupt this program for Eleanor's cultural stuff. Brought to you by the Naughties. The other decade more problematic than it looks. Ooh, here we go. So, the US number one yeah. is the artist's outcast. 2001. Come on, you know this. Is it? I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Ooh, I am for real. Never meant to make a dollar cry. Uh, that was US. Yeah, that's the yeah, US. I don't, I don't think that went to number one in the UK. No, it? but it was popular. Yeah, it was yeah. popular. I was nearly said, hey, yeah, but that was later, wasn't it? It that was. was that was a bit older. Yeah, I think that was a couple of years yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Me and your daughter <laughs> got a special thing going on. It's such a change. We say it's popular. <laughs> we say it's full grown. I hope that you feel this. <laughs> feel this way forever. You can play the picnic, but you can't predict the weather. <laughs> I can't rap, so I apologise. That's just offensive. But yeah, no. yeah. great. It sounded like you were <laughs> you, went, <laughs> yeah. you went from singing outcasts to being a chicken. I just, yeah, my style of rapping is very much from like the Muppets school of rap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> okay, um, so moving on. Uh, UK number one is still Atomic Kitten and Hole again. Yeah, I told you it's gonna yeah, be number it's one gonna until be like March. Mum called it. <laughs> Like, whenever it was. Okay. Mum, uh, uh, in, in, like, that timeline, mum calls it in, like, four weeks time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so, um, what I've got 
as well is 17th of February, Manic Street Preachers become the first ever Western rock band to play a gig in Cuba. I've never Cuba. been to Cuba. <laughs> um, I haven't. No, oh, really? Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. What an odd choice. Yeah. Uh, 18th of February, FBI agent Robert Hansen is arrested and charged with spying for Russia for 15 years. Oh, I don't remember that. No, I don't. Wait, you told me that it's really hard to get any kind of information on what's going on in the world these days. Is, is that now stopped? Yeah, so we've come out of our drought period with the kind the, of January two thousand one. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think, I think after the millennium, been, they were like, okay. Yeah, no, I think, I think it gets better from here. I don't think we have another drought period. Um. So, and then the last thing I got, which you will remember, is 19th of February, the foot and mouth crisis oh. begins in the UK. This epizootic saw 2,000 cases of the disease in farms across most of the British countryside. Oh, I guess it's the animal version of epidemic. Yeah, epizootic. yeah. yeah. Um, over 6 million cows and sheep were killed yes, in an eventually... In an eventually successful attempt to halt the disease, Cumbria was the worst affected area in the country with 893 cases. Yeah, there were lots of shots on the TV news of like just these burning piles of like piles of poor animal carcasses. Yeah, really sad. Um, By the time that the disease was halted in October 2001, the crisis was estimated to have cost the UK eight billion pounds. I wonder if they have a similar epizootic again these days, whether you'd be able to just burn animals because you they're ill. Well, they didn't burn them alive. They didn't no, kill I know, but like it's, um, it still seems like as with the consciousness of everyone being concerned about you know the fact that we do mass produce meat in non-environmentally friendly ways and to just waste all of that and it, like like the impact that has and then also from animal rights perspective like i think it would still happen because yeah, yeah because uh, i think it's not economical for far- for farmers to farmers <laughs> <laughs> i knew you went for fathers <laughs> It's not economical for fathers or farmers, um, or farmers' fathers (laughs) to to um feed and keep an animal that is sick that they can't. Yeah, I don't know what the alternative is, but it's just like you know, if a pandemic had happened and like we're like, well, let's just kill everyone. Kill everyone. That's the only way to get. I mean, that that is effectively what what they did to those animals like is just be like well we're just going to kill them all anyone that's anything that's got this we just have to kill it and and get rid of it otherwise it's going to sweep through the entire thing and it all all that cattle becomes worthless yeah 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 and then it it is a case of like well what what can you do because who's gonna pay to keep these animals that are now effectively obviously every creature has worth but from a farming perspective it is now worthless yeah, yeah, they yeah. can't do anything with it yeah um sad. it is it's really <clears throat> awful so that was but the only thing that was happening was... that was it foot and mouth disease okay. um fbi agents being russian spies and the manic street preachers go to cuba oh, well there you go 
<laughs> the Manic Street Preachers did the best. Time. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so should we get into... Yeah, absolutely. Let's visiting go. that boys' town. Yeah. Strap in. Yeah. Um, wear your masks, everyone. Yeah. So we start with some extended night shots of Boston whilst Vonda is singing a song called Young Love by Tab Hunter, which is um, only one of two songs in this episode. It's not a very music-heavy episode. It's not, is it? And I wondered if that was because they blew the budget on, like, Manilow deep cuts last time. <laughs> <laughs> like, we've got no money left for, for any songs. And I'm like, episode. yeah, and you wasted that money on songs no one fucking knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Where was Copacabana? Where was Copacabana? Oh, dear. Yeah, so Ling is at the office um, working late and Richard finds her um, and he's wearing a baseball mitt and he asks if she wants to play catch and Ling's like do I? <laughs> and Richard's like yeah I've been feeling a little I don't know you know disconnected lately I thought maybe a little and Ling interrupts and it's like what we could throw the ball around and Richard's like well it works and then he sighs and he says well at least I'm trying here which is more than I can say for but before he can finish John has wandered in to let Richard know that he's heading out. But as he reaches Richard and become, comes level with him, he realises that Richard is wearing the baseball mitt and it's his baseball mitt. And he's like, hey, that's my glove. You took my glove. And Richard, caught red-handed, starts sort of stumbling over his words, trying to say that it's actually a firm glove. But John's like, <laughs> it's not a firm glove. It's my mitt. Give it back. And he pulls it from Richard, but Richard's like, well, I don't see your name on it. And he doesn't let go. And they just end up in this childish tub of war, at which Ling is just completely unimpressed and stares kind of blankly as they fall onto and wrestle on her desk. Um, and all she does is, like, just move her snacks. <laughs> and then they fall off the desk onto her sofa and Ling, in a bored way, is like, come on, it's just a glove. And then John just has this scream as the wrestling then moves to the floor and Jackson walks in to find them rolling around at his feet and is like, yo, what's going on? <laughs> um, and they get up still tugging at the glove and Richard yells, not everything is about you, Jackson. This is a partnership of dispute. And John then punches Richard in the kidney and Richard lets go, leaving John holding the glove and Richard goes, thief! And John shouts back, repugnant! And they just chase each other out the room, screaming like little boys, as Jackson looks at Ling, and Ling just, like, turns the page, bored, as we, like, <laughs> cut to titles. Welcome to Boys Town. Yeah, this is Boy Town, you may never leave. <laughs> yeah, I just love how, like, super duper is just they're looking, like, really disgusting. Like, yeah, like, what is this disgusting display? <laughs> I thought I joined a law firm, not a crash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, so at the office the next day, um, the elevator uh, arrives and out steps a woman, like dressed up like she's come from Siberia in this like white, puffy, like down coat with a white, fluffy hood up, and then a white scarf, like tied several times around her neck, and like you can barely see the face, only the eyes. Um, and that you know, she's so buried under winter layers. And Elaine is like, oh, can I help you? And that's when we realise from the growl as the eyes like narrow at Elaine that it's Ling. Ling. 
Um, and she's like, I'm sick of the cold. And she like walks off with like her growl echoing in her wake. Um, and Elaine then bumps into Jackson, who was heading past to get to the weekly meeting. And Elaine goes like straight into sultry flirt mode and starts, but starts sweating profusely because we know she's got this like sweat problem around Jackson. Um, and she's like, oh, well, I won't keep you. And Jackson just sort of blinks at her and sidles past her. And Elaine just sort of bats her eyelashes and Jackson's like, okay, and walks away. And she's just like sweating profusely again, just as Mark arrives and asks pointedly, like, is it hot in here? Do you have a fever? And Elaine's like, is there a problem, Mark? Like, trying to add, like, nothing's untoward. But Mark just looks at her suspiciously. And he's like, no, I'm just concerned for your health. Um, yeah, poor Elaine. I hope she's got a decent stock of deodorant going on. <laughs> yeah. He needs some tissues and, yeah. like, deodorant. And, um, yeah. Uh, yes. So, at the weekly meeting, the first order of business is the case of the week, which is Mackie versus Albright. Now, Jackson's just got that case, and he updates everyone saying that Gloria Albright, who is a senior partner in the law in a law firm, fired all of her male attorneys, and she's being sued for sexual discrimination. And whilst he's describing the case, Ali recognises it because it's the same one that Renee is working on, and she's representing Mackie, who's the guy that got fired. Yeah. Um, and Jackson's like, oh, is Renee good? And Richard's like... Are you kidding? Pretty? Smart? You like big knockers? And Ali's like, ugh. And Jackson's like, meant as a lawyer. And Ali goes, she's very good. And Jackson asks if he can have some assistance then, preferably a woman, because he only picked this up two days before trial. And Nell says that she's busy. Um, But Ling's like, well, I'm free. And Richard is immediately like, no. And he's like, asks if John can help. And John's like, he said he wanted a woman. Do I look like a woman? Jitwad. And Richard's like, (laughs) well, perhaps in lieu of a woman, he could use a lawn jockey. And John, like, just gets up to leave. And Ali's like, Richard! And Richard's like, he started it. And, yeah, here we are. Crash. Still still in the crash. Yeah. So John has, like, stormed out of the meeting with his pastry, like, on a plate with a fork stuck in it. Like, <laughs> and he's looking around furtively to make sure that he's not being followed all the way to his, like, tiny toilet... Cubby hole room. <laughs> his hole thing. But as he enters his hole, he screams because as he sits down, he realises that Melanie's in there already yeah. and she's beaten him to it. And they both scream and then they both are immediately like, <laughs> And she's also surprised to see him because she thought that he didn't like to come here during the day. Um, and John says, Melanie, why are you in my hole? And Melanie <laughs> says, because he was upset about something last night and he wouldn't want to talk about it. Um, and she tries to get him to tell her what it is. John says, um, it's Richard. He's my partner and my best friend, and I hate him. Well, I find myself really angry at him a lot lately, and last night he took my baseball glove without asking. And Melanie plays back what she's just heard, which is that John is mad at his best friend because he took his baseball glove. And John's like, no, but without asking. And Melanie's like, you are 35 years old. It's like, this is the last straw. <laughs> but also, Melanie says he's 35 years old, which is like, yeah. not the case. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I just got it. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, you're not 35 years old. Yeah. 45. But then John says, but he does these little things to impose and reimpose the idea that he's dominant. I mean, where does it say he gets to run the staff meeting? Why does he get to get in there every day and say, next up, first up, moving on? All the little things that people in charge say. I'm a better lawyer than he is, and he just treats me like a little midget. I mean, a minion, like he's misspoke. Yeah. Um, and he says, I would never just take his glove. I am filled with rancour. That's what I am. I am filled with rancour. Um, Melanie suggests that they consider going to couples therapy. And John is like, I what? Like, I don't think that's a thing. Um, but Melanie explains that it's not just for romantic relationships that best friends go. And John's still unconvinced, but Melanie insists that... You do love Richard. He loves you. This friendship is deep enough to profoundly upset you like this. Why not try fixing it? And John still isn't sure, but Melanie says that she knows this amazing, amazing therapist, one that her former boyfriend and her used to go used to, go to who works wonders. And John says, um, well, Melanie, you backed up over your former boyfriend with a truck. And Melanie's like, John, this guy is good. If you want to work things out with Richard, what have you got to lose? And John just takes a fork full of pastry, like, thoughtfully. <laughs> I think that's a really good suggestion from Melanie. Like, it is. It is something I have. Because I know, um, uh, I have heard of, like, uh, people who are, like, close business partners do do that. And they found it really helpful. Yeah. Or... Here's an idea. How about just don't work things out with Richard? What have you got to gain? Like, I know, I know. This is the thing: is that is he worth it? He, yeah, is he worth the time and energy it's going to take? Um, probably not. Also, I think it's interesting. Like, or not interesting. It just, I think it's a, a sign of the times. Like. The use of like John being like midget and well he he said that um that was a that was like a stutter he said midget and he was like yeah. I mean minion sort of thing but yeah but yeah it's it feels very much like because yeah back then it just wasn't considered by you know um most people to be uh well <laughs> people who did not have those kind of issues did not think about how offensive a word that is. Yeah, no, it was um, seen as a funny word for yeah, to speak. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, over at the courthouse, we're getting into the proceedings on this case of the week. So Mr Mackey, one of the male lawyers who was fired, is testifying that Ms Albright, his boss, um, called him into her office and said, I'm sorry, this law firm is no longer employing male attorneys and then fired him. And apparently she said she wanted the place to be free of all sexual currents. And to accomplish this, she was discharging all the men. And I just could not stop laughing because I was like, we are living in a heterosexual world. Yeah. And she is a heterosexual girl. You know that we are. I was like, this is not the answer. Yeah. <laughs> this will not solve I mean, the problem. I mean, like... <laughs> You know, uh, 90s feminist icon, but like, so no. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Renee is questioning him and asks if he was given like any indication that this was coming. And he said, well, all the partners were female. So I guess that should have been some indication, but nothing could have prepared me for the idea that she would just start firing all the male associates. Um, 
And then Jackson gets up and cross-examines and he asks Mr. Mackey if he is married or he has a girlfriend and he says, no, not at the moment. And Jackson asks, how many times a day do you think about sex? And Renee objects, but Jackson says that his client was trying to rid her law firm of sexual energy, so whether or not he thinks of sex during the workday is relevant. And the judge in this case is Judge Brattle. If we remember, we've seen her before. Yeah, I thought we and had. she's like, her nickname is like Bulldog. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Um, she just tells Jackson to speed it up. So Jackson does. And Mr. Mackey's like, I don't know. I don't keep track of how often I think about sex. <laughs> and Jackson's like, okay, that's fair. Truthfully, do you ever fantasize or wonder, or wonder even, what it would be like to kiss my client or perhaps make love to her? And Renee is like, where is this going? And Jackson walks over to Renee's table and he's like, Mr. Charm, as he yeah. says this, he's like, I promise to show you if you'll just let me finish. And then he does this like smile and like this heavenly chorus sings, which I think is the same music as like they use for the male woman, like her Yeah, Alexis I think thing. it was, yeah. Um, but Renee almost like literally swoons as yeah. she smiles. But then there's like this record scratch as she looks past Jackson to the judge and is like, Your Honour! And Judge Brattle <laughs> says that she'll allow it, but hurry up. And Mr. Mackey answers and he says he never thinks about that. And Jackson's like, you mean a single man working alongside this woman? And he gestures to his boss, who is played by Kelly Lynch, who some people might recognise. She played a character on The L Word for many years. Oh, I never watched that show. I didn't, but I do sort of vaguely remember her as like uh, an actor okay. around that time that was in like that show and, and a few other things. Um, okay. So yeah, so he goes, you mean a single man working alongside this woman and the thought of making love to her has never crossed your mind. That's your truthful testimony. And Mr. Mackey eventually admits that he did, but he certainly didn't dwell on it. <laughs> and he's like, she's beautiful. What normal man wouldn't? And I was like, objection to the word normal, normal. but whatever. <laughs> um, and then Jackson then asks how much time he spent preparing for the trial, like depositions, meeting with counsel, etc. And we find out that it's been six months. And Jackson's like, well, six months working side by side with Ms. Raddick. Have you ever fantasised about her sexually? And Renee objects, like, right the fucking yeah. And Mr. Mackey is like, my relationship has been nothing but professional. And Jackson's like, yeah, hey, I understand that. But a woman like this, and he points at Renee, and he's like, you had to at least think about it. Am I wrong? And Mr. Mackey tries to insist that he never acted on it. And Renee's, like, trying to object. But then Jackson asks Ling to stand up. And Ling's like, why? not happy about it but Jackson's like please and she like rolls her eyes and stands and Jackson says Mr Mackey I'm gonna ask you a question as a normal red-blooded man which you stated you were if Ms Wu worked in the office with you as a normal single man might you fantasize about her sexually and Mr Mackey is like even if I did that wouldn't make me a lesser attorney Mr Duper and Jackson is just like so your answer is yes Nothing further. Thank you, Ms. Wu. And Lynn growls as Jackson sits down. And Renee doesn't look happy. And this is my... Okay, yes. No, I didn't like this because at all either. I know, Renee, I usually don't object to things that the characters kind of object to themselves in the mm. show because that's kind of covered it. But I know Renee objected over this, but it, it kind of got swept under the carpet a little bit. I know they kind of bring it up a bit later but I just want to do it again and I will not be ignored like this man is just like openly 
objectifying and sexually harassing these women in their place of work and like no one is stopping it and actually in the scene that comes later the person that has the power to stop it isn't mad about it for that reason she's mad that she wasn't included included and I'm like that's not that's not it I mean that's also not great uh, in a way but it's it's also that it shouldn't we shouldn't be doing it to anyone yeah you know what I mean yeah like I it's really super unprofessional because yeah you are putting these women in a like you say like this objectifying like inviting people to objectify them them. yeah in a court of law in their place of work like that's not what they signed up for they're lawyers they're not your living props like and it yeah it's just it's awful and also I just what I hate about it too is this whole kind of weird like basic like unnuanced notion that like anyone who is conventionally attractive can't help but drive everyone else like crazy with sexual desire like if you did actually work alongside someone that looked like um Ling or looked like Renee like everyone would just be like desperately waiting so that they could go to like their bathroom and like furiously masturbate over them because they're just so attractive and they wouldn't be able to get anything done because they're just so busy fantasizing about their good looking colleagues and it's just like I'm sorry but like good looking doesn't necessarily mean like sexual charisma sexual attraction like those two things are they're two different things and sometimes they overlap and sometimes they don't and it is completely subjective and it's just like a man can work alongside anyone can work alongside anyone attractive and not find them sexually attractive but i would also argue that unless you've got some kind of um sex addiction disorder which we've talked about whether that's even a thing or whether it's a symptom yes. of other things. But um, unless you've got that those kind of issues, even if you find someone attractive... Like, think about the amount of relationships that start in workplaces, because that's yeah. often the only place you really get to meet people yeah. over a sustained length of time. Even if you do find people attractive in the workplace... And I'm one to talk about this, because I ended up marrying someone that I met at work. Yeah. And I have dated people or gone out with people who I found attractive at work. It's you. I still got my fucking work done. Do you know what I mean? A, you can fantasize yeah. and get your work done. Yeah. Not an issue. Yeah. Unless you are like, there's something else wrong with you that means you literally fixate on it and cannot think about anything yes. else. But I've been like, you know, when you really crush on someone and you think about them a lot. Yeah. Like a normal amount a lot. Yes. I still get my work done, but also (laughs) sometimes you fantasise and think about people who are not at work. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, how do you legislate, how do you, like, protect against that? You can't, because people are fucking human beings. It doesn't matter whether you're physically in the same room as them or not. If you find them attractive, you think about them all the time. Yes. People still get their fucking work done. Yes, like, but I think this all comes from, because the fact that it's being thrown at, like, men 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 cannot the the justification for this woman doing this is that men cannot stop thinking about sex and i remember in the 90s there was this like uh, supposedly 
reported like uh, the the impression given that it came from some kind of study that showed that men think about sex every 30 seconds or something like that and yeah. it was just taken as fact yeah that that's what yeah. men do all men cannot stop thinking yeah. about sex and it was just like it suddenly became like this kind of uh like this this fact that is just kind of like not based in anything real other than this one study that no doubt if you actually fucking looked at the study would be a complete bunch of bullshit yeah. from start to finish it's just the way these just had a good are. headline and yeah so it's absorbed it, it, into the national like narrative is, yeah which is why i love like i think you listen to like maintenance oh yeah phase. i love maintenance yeah phase. we yeah. both listen to this podcast maintenance phase and it is always like very often talking about how studies get like picked up by the media and even conclusions that the studies do not draw, yeah. the tabloids will draw conclusions from because it it it's clickbait, it sells, you know, it and it's just like and it there is often very little truth behind the headline that these sort of myths, but they become so kind of like accepted as like fact. Yeah. And then but it also, just what makes me laugh is that it's, like I alluded to earlier, it's a completely heterosexual... Yeah. Aside from that, even if it was true that heterosexual men distract women too much, like, getting rid of all you of the men... heterosexual women attract... Sorry, distract. men distract heterosexual women too much. If you get rid of all the men... No, like, women distract heterosexual men too much. Either way, <laughs> if you get rid of the men, yeah. like, you've still got women who aren't... Yeah, it's attracted to men, and they're thinking, oh, or you know, vice versa. And it's just like this is so, this is Dumb. so like <laughs> it's just so stupid. Like men and women probably on average think about sex the same probably amount. Probably about the same amount. Probably yeah. the same amount. So separating people into single sex is is not the answer. No. Plus, not everyone fantasizes about the opposite it's sex. sex. So, and, so, and if you do fantasise, you don't have to be physically in the same room as the person that you're <laughs> fantasising about. Like, and most people, like we said, unless you've got some other underlying issue that means you fixate or obsess over something, like are able to put aside any kind of... I fantasise and work at the same time. I have done for years. <laughs> it's fine. You know what I mean? It's just like so... So ridiculous and just yeah. so simplistic so in its funny. logic. It's like laughable. Yeah, it is, <laughs> absolutely. But yeah. So back at Cajun Fish, um, Elaine is confiding in Ali about her relationship with Mark and she's saying she knows he's upset but she's not sure why. And Ali, who's like in the middle of, for some reason, heaving massive law books around on her desk. <laughs> yeah. um, she's not like working on a specific <laughs> case this episode, so I don't understand why she's so like quote unquote busy um, but she asks if Elaine's asked him and Elaine's like no because when he acts like this I get upset at him and I don't feel like talking and Ali says you know Elaine here's a tip when two people in a relationship are upset with each other talking is a good thing and Elaine's like well it doesn't work that way with me and Ali's like why not and Elaine's like well because when I get angry I yell and then he yells and then we say things we regret and then I say I'm sorry and he says he's sorry and then I take my clothes off and I really don't want to do that and Ali's like well Mm, if after the apologies, could you just not take your clothes off? And then he's like, hmm, 
I don't know how to be neutral. It's always been a problem. When I'm with a man, the only time I don't love him is when I hate him. And as soon as I stop hating him, I'm right back to loving him. I'd rather just hate him right now because there's more dignity in it. And Ali starts to sort of try again to give advice, but I think it's fair to say that she's been somewhat distracted throughout this chat. She's just like con- continually like writing through files and paperwork and books. So Elaine's like, look, can you just stay out of it? Go call Larry or something. Just leave me alone. And Ali's like, fine. I'll just let you wallow in the dignity of hate then. And Elaine's like, huh. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. Meanwhile, back with Ling and Jackson, Ling is stomping down the halls of the courthouse with Jackson like rushing behind her, following her. And she walks into a side room and she whirls around and she is mad. And she's like, is that why you wanted me on this case? As a male fantasy prop? And Jackson's piss poor defence is basically that it's too hard to argue my case. Like, is essentially what he says. Because their client is obviously guilty under the law. Um, And Ling's like, you humiliated me. And Jackson apologises, saying that that wasn't his intention. And he said, without reducing you to a prop, you've got this goddess thing going on. And I called you up there to trap the witness. I was like, fuck off, Jackson. You can't just compliment someone as an excuse for your shitty behaviour. And Ling is like, trap him. And Jackson's like, yeah, if he answered that he would never fantasise about you, then the jury's going to think of him as a liar. And if he said that, yes, he might, well, that proves my point. The point that men can't help but think about sex, which is what our client believes. And I was setting up her testimony. And then Renee barges in and is equally mad. And Mm. she's like, how dare you? And Jackson apologises again to her. And he's like, look, the fact that you're beautiful and sexy just played into our case. I took advantage of that. It it could have been malpractice if I didn't. So I didn't mean to be inappropriate. And Renee, annoyingly, like, softens ever so slightly at being called beautiful and sexy. Mm. And Ling, like, catches it. But then Renee sort of tries to pull it together and it's like, well... You were. And she like turns on her heel and leaves. And then Judge Brattle walks in and she's also mad, but she says, can I step out of my robe for a second? And Ling, annoyingly, because I think we've mentioned in previous episodes where Judge Brattle's been there, she's a larger woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ling just goes, I'd vomit. And Judge Brattle, I couldn't tell, she either ignores her or she didn't hear her. But yeah. anyway, she just goes, I speak to you not as a judge, but as a woman, it is one thing for you to single out one of the female players in this proceeding and identify her as a sexual being. I can live with you identifying two, but when you acknowledge all of the female players as sex objects, excluding only one, I find it rude, as well as bad lawyering. It certainly doesn't help your client to be alienating the judge. And as a footnote, Mr. Duper, plenty of boys go for the big girl and she storms <laughs> out. And I'm like, no, I know. Judge Brattle, that's not the thing that you should be turning him off for. But also, this is my... Objection! Because of the horrible fat phobia that is in that scene. Dum, dum, dee, dum, 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 dee, dum, dum, fat phobia is dum, dum, dee, dum, dum, fat phobia is dum, dum, dee, dum, dum, fat phobia is dum, dum, dee, dum, dum. Because not only do we have Ling being like, I vomit yeah, over the, the thought of, of her taking yeah. off her robe. But also, if you notice, when she walks in, they've clearly had, like, uh, the someone put, like... What are, the, what are the people that put um sound effects over the... I don't know, but you just did one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the sound effects over... um. 
a film or a TV show like Footsteps or... Foley. Foley, yeah. So the Foley artist for this show has done like really heavy clomping like... Oh. Oh, I didn't notice that. Steps in and out of the office, Mm. and it's just like, and it and you know, I just it's just fucking horrible. Like, yeah, the thing she says is like not it in terms of he shouldn't be doing it to anyone. No, but it was just I was just like fuck all the way off, like with this fucking horrible. Like I did like her saying like. Plenty of men go for the big girl, but I can't help but feel like that is, like, uh, uh, like, the, like the show. My is, mom says I'm happy. Yeah, you know yeah, exactly. Like, and everyone's like, "Do they?" I don't think. That's yeah, true. it's <laughs> like exactly. I feel like the show is doing that as a joke, like, "Oh, she's delusional," like, or you know, what? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just it just doesn't fit right. It's horrible. I didn't like it. No. Okay. Um, so, um, after, uh, yeah, after Judge Brattle storms out, Ling just turns kind of wryly to um, Jackson and is like, you've got a lot to learn about the practice of law. And Jackson's like, I can see that wearily. And then Ling storms out. It's like, is he new to this? <laughs> well, it's not, not so much just about the practice of law. It's about being like a fucking decent human being. You know what I mean? Person. Professional person in your place mm. of work. But anyway... Back at Cajun Fish, Melanie and John are trying to get Richard to agree to go to therapy with John, but Richard's, like, not into the idea. He's, like, very 90s, early 2000s attitude towards therapy, which is, like, <laughs> it's not, 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 for, not for real men. Um, and Richard's like, are you mental? I'd sooner see my proctologist than one of those head shrinkers. And Melanie goes poop, and that just sets off a chain kind of tick reaction between the two of them, like her and John, which Richard just, like, raises his eyebrows at and is like, you know, you two work it out, and he goes to leave. But Melanie's like, but John wants to work things out with you. But Richard's still not convinced. And he says, look, I consider myself a pretty open-minded person. And I was like, really? (laughs) But therapists, shrinks, psychologists, they're all a bunch of sex pervs. They grow up reading Freud. What does that say? Talk about your auto-wanker. The man died with calluses on both hands. And he also says that he doesn't believe it's right for men to share feelings. (laughs) And I was like... Yeah, yeah, that's so much. That is my note exactly. (laughs) This explains so much about which he says, My father with men, it's a handshake. Stiff upper lip. That's being a man. Men don't walk around saying I love you to other men. That's a gay thing. And John and Melanie are like, What? Like they can't believe it, because like, you know, toxic masculinity poster boy much. And Melanie's like, Your father never said he loved you. And Richard's like, he didn't have to. He just said Mumbo Cat. And John and Natalie like still don't know what to say. And at that, Richard's like, gotta go, enough touchy feely. And I was like, oh, Richard. And I, I actually think, I was like, I don't think we've got this much like insight. And it's not even that much, but we no. haven't got this much insight into his character since he was like with Whipper. Yeah. And I was like, more of this, please, so that we can break him down and build him back up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Doing me. But out in the complex, um, Mark kind of just walks past Elaine's desk without acknowledging her and she's like, hello Mark. And Mark takes this opportunity to just kind of casually turn back from walking past to say that he's been meaning to bring it up and he doesn't think it's working out between them. Sorry, 
and then he just goes to like carry on walking to wherever he was going. Um, now, Ali steps out of her office as Mark was saying this and she kind of caught the whole thing by accident. Yeah. And she sort of sees and watches as Elaine jumps up and shouts after Mark as he goes to walk away like, wait, wait, wait. And Mark sort of whips back and Elaine's like, well, are, are you saying that we need to talk about things or are you just saying that we're done? And Mark just like pauses to give it like half a second, like sarcastic thoughts. And, and we see as he's doing this, Ali's gone like back into her office, but she's like wedged herself in her, <laughs> like the, where her door is ajar to like listen. And Mark's like, um, we're done. And then he does like this little nod and like walks off. And Elaine's just stood there dumbfounded. And Ali opens her door and like zooms after Mark and follows him into the unisex and tells him off. She's like, you just don't end a relationship like that. And Mark's like, well, how should I have done it, Ali? Lie? And Ali's like, no. And Mark's like, cheat? And Ali's like, no. And then he's like, move to Detroit. And Ali's like, okay, this is anger. And Mark's like, look, I realise since, I, I realise since Larry left, you're looking for new projects, Ali, but please don't make me one of them. And Ali's like, you know, Mark, you're a nice guy. And I was like, is he? <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, and you're a kind person. And I was like, what three have of this? This is another one like Nell, you're a bitch moment. Yeah, ice cream. Yeah. Like Mark's a really great guy, actually. You just haven't seen <laughs> yeah. It. yeah. So she says you're a nice guy. You're a kind person. And she says, but what you just did to Elaine was cruel, and your remarks to me were also cruel. Okay, now that is my observation. I'm going to leave it at that. And she leaves, only to be replaced by Richard, who comes into the bathroom and sees Mark, and and he goes. Oh, hey, Mark, um, if two people fight, should they just waltz off to therapy? And Mark thinks that he's talking about him and Elaine, so he just goes, mind your own damn business, and walks out. And Richard stands there looking puzzled, going, I thought it was my business, <laughs> only for Elaine to come in. And then he asks Elaine, hey, Elaine, if, if two people come apart, do you, do you think therapy's just a big waste of time? And Elaine obviously thinks he's talking about her and Mark. And she's like, well, I don't know, Richard, but thank you for your encouragement, you insensitive, mean-spirited, pig-headed dope. And she storms out as, like, two cowbells sound. And Richard is even more puzzled. And then he kind of gives his shirt a sniff. Like, it's like, do I smell? Like, what happened? I mean, what I find really funny about this scene is, like, Mark is is, you know, obviously a complete douche for breaking up with Elaine in this way and being mean to Ali. But I'm like, I'm sorry, but even this, even this doesn't make you interesting, Mark. I'm nothing about you're, that. You're as intriguing as a loaf of bread. Like, I don't <laughs> know. Like, I really don't care why you're being like this. And I, I, I like, yeah, like, I'm just like, <laughs> you're an... You're, you're awful as far as I can tell and I just don't, I just don't understand what and you're all, boring like you're boring like... and awful at least Richard is semi-interesting semi-interesting like, he's like got some funny lines sometimes yeah, Mark's like exactly. not funny in the slightest he's not funny in the slightest like that's the thing he's got like zero redeeming slash interesting like uh, personality traits so it's just like at least at least Richard, like you say, Richard's got some humor about him as a funny character, 
even if you're just laughing at him. Yeah. Like, and it's just like... But I just, that's why I find Ali's, like, speech in that bathroom so laughable, because it was like, you're a nice guy, you're kind, and I'm like... Uh, when? When? <laughs> when? Where are you getting this from? <sighs> but yeah. He feels like he's going, I'm going to assume you're a nice guy. <laughs> I'm like, don't make that don't assumption, assume. Ali. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Back at the courthouse, Jackson is now questioning Gloria Albright, and she's testifying that other than the one she used to be married to, she has absolutely nothing against men. Um, But she also testifies and confirms that she did fire all her male employees, and Jackson asks why, and she says, Well, you touched on one of the reasons with Mr Mackey. I find men to be more prone to sexual distraction. It makes them less focused. It may be a bit of generalisation, one might say bigotry, but bigotry is a generalisation predicated on ignorance. Mine happens to be accurate. Men think about sex all day. And Jackson's like, what, and women don't? And Gloria's like, well, not like men, no. Women can get distracted too. And just like we're seeing the proliferation of single-sex schools where both girls and boys can learn better, so they can work better and be more productive in a single-sex private company. And then it's Renee's turn to cross. And she's like, well, why not just hire and fire on merit? Are you saying all your female employees are better than the male ones? And Gloria's saying that she isn't saying that. She's just choosing to have a single-sex workplace. And Renee's like, well, then why choose women? And Gloria says, well, because I am one. But I also happen to believe that on balance, women make for better lawyers. Women are smarter, especially when it comes to dispute resolution. Men want to fight. Women want to work things out. In law, settling cases is preferable to litigation and women typically do not fall victim to the insipid little warrior instincts that men have. And Renee's like, gee, it seems like you do hate men. (laughs) And Jackson then objects, but Judge Brattle overrules him. So Renee continues and asks uh, Gloria, how soon after her husband left did she fire all her male employees? And Jackson jumps up and objects again, saying, sorry, it's just my warrior instincts. Um, But it gets overruled and and Gloria says that it was a few months maybe, but it had nothing to do with that. And then Renee asks if he had an affair and Jackson objects again and this time it is sustained and Judge Brassel tells Renee to keep it about the case. But then Renee argues that the case as I understand it is you fired all the men because women are smarter and you levied this mass boom within months after your husband left you, correct? And Gloria's like, yeah, correct. Mm. Interesting mm. little detail. What seconds? <laughs> <clears throat> now, what is this unholy racket? Oh yeah, that's John playing his bagpipes loudly in his office and no one is happy about it. (laughs) Nell and Richard are discussing the situation in the doorway and Nell's like, he hasn't been this upset since his frog died. (laughs) And then Melanie comes out and says to Richard that, that John's upset and she wants Richard to go in and talk to him. And Nell's like, look, just let me talk to him. But Melanie's like, no, no, it's not, the problem's not with John, it's with Richard. And Nell doesn't appreciate being lectured by Melanie and is like, excuse me, but I've known John a little longer than you. And Melanie's like, oh yeah, he tried to spank you once. I know your history. And Richard, and they start like bickering. And Richard tries to break it up. But Nell throws out, well, maybe he should spank you. That way we'd know if you could take a licking and still keep on ticking. And does like this vile impression of one of Melanie's ticks. And Richard just like pushes past both of them to say that he'll talk to him. (sighs) I really didn't like. No. Like, what, Nell's just, got a real nasty streak in she her. She does, but, I mean, to be... It's just horrible, because it's just like, you've got one character... 
being like, I'm going to throw that time you were physically assaulted by your boyfriend, who is now my boyfriend, in your face to embarrass you. And now you're throwing like an ableist thing back at me to embarrass me because ex-girlfriends and current girlfriends can never ever never get on. Never the twain chill <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Can never happen. It's an unnatural state of being. It's like cats sleeping with dogs. Like, it's just so... Uh, it's just... Mass hysteria. Yeah, it's just... It's so, like, ridiculous. And it's... It, yeah, it's really unpleasant when they write, like, scenes like this. Yeah. So... Richard goes in and John spitefully tells Richard that he wrote him a song and then he makes this like god-awful sound on his bagpipes that sounds like a cow in labour <laughs> and then he stops and is like, it captures you. And at this, Richard's like, uh, okay, let's get therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Jackson and Ling are convening with Miss Albright in Jackson's office later that evening uh, while it's snowing outside and they are recommending that she gives Mr Mackey the 50k that he's asking for um, and she's not convinced because she's like, why would I give him anything? And Jackson's like, well, because first off, $50,000 really isn't that much to you and Ling backs him up saying, in a second, the little revelation about your husband didn't help. <laughs> um, and, but she doesn't want to, though, because she's concerned that if she pays out on him, she'll have to pay all of the stuff that she fired. Right. And she says, Jackson, I think you've done a wonderful job, and I think we can win with a verdict. That's what I'd like to do. And when my mind's made up, my mind's made up. We keep going. And then she gets up and says goodbye. Um, and Ling turns to Jackson and agrees with Gloria and she's like, it's not like we can't win um, and you have been good. Um, and Jackson's like, yeah, sorry again for the whole prop thing. And Ling's like, yeah, I'm sorry for Richard being hostile. And I'm like, why are you apologising? Yeah. Like, that's not on you. But anyway, Ling starts to pack up to go because it's late. And then Jackson's like, yeah, would you, do you want to go for dinner? And Ling hesitates because she kind of looks like deep down she doesn't want to say yes. But she's like, it's not a good idea. And there's this, like, pregnant pause in the air as they, like, look at each other. And Jackson goes to say something, but he's like, oh, no, nothing. It's it's just nice working with you. And Ling's like, yeah, it's nice working with you too. Good night. And I was like, sexual tension, Jackson! (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like one of them should turn to and be like, mumble cat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the next morning... Richard has made good on his word and managed to get to therapy with John. Um, Their therapist is Dr. Madison, who is played by Fred Willard, who's another quite prolific character actor. Like, I know him from... He played Ed in Anchorman, and he's in a a film called Best in Show as well. Oh, yes. But he's been in loads He he did look familiar Loads of stuff, like random characters here and there. Um, and so this therapist he thanks them both for selecting him as their therapist because he realises they have a lot of choices and he hopes their experience will be a pleasant one at which, at which Richard mutters sounds like an airline um, but the therapist continues and congratulates them both for having the courage to confront their problems and then he asks to see the baseball glove in question and they both go to give it him um, but John angrily like swipes it out of Richard's hand and hands it over and Dr Madison says Now, I understand playing catch was an important part of both your childhoods. Let me salute you both on that. 
And Richard interrupts and is like, look, can we just cut to the problem? And Dr. Madison is like, yes, Richard, and let me applaud your willingness to do so. Why don't we start with you first? And as we talk, if you don't mind, I would like to close my eyes and let your words wash over me. And he leans back and he closes his eyes. And Richard looks a bit, like, bemused, but he starts, he literally just opens his mouth to start talking. Then John pipes up and is like, why does he get to go first? That's my problem, is that he always gets to go first. His needs are always prioritised over those of other people. And the horror of that is compounded when you consider that the centre of his very being is nothing but sex and money, sex and money, sex and money. Imagine being subordinated to such an empty, vapid bag. And Dr. Madison commends John on not only your feelings, but your ability to articulate them. And John's like, well, why weren't your eyes closed? What, my words can't wash over you? And Richard is like, well, this is what I have to deal with. And that kicks off a spate of arguing over each other. And the therapist listens to it play out until it just kind of like peters out with Richard going bygones. And then Dr. Madison commends them on their candour. And John goes, balls with the kudos, you hack. At which the therapist like suddenly leans forward and is like, as much as I'm here for you, there is no place for that kind of behaviour, John. And he like scribbles sternly in his <laughs> And Richard is like giving giving the therapist like an AOK sign, and John just looks really sheepish and is like, "Sorry." <laughs> I find really it was a very funny scene, and that it is one of those things where you're like, "I'm glad you're finally having a long hard look at who your best friend is, John." Yeah, an empty vapid bag, which I think is probably the best description I've ever seen in Richard. <clears throat> So back in Cajun Fish in the bathroom, Marcus stood at the the sink trying to get a look at his like butt in the mirror. <laughs> and Ali has come out of one of the stalls and she sort of looks at him and tries to stifle a laugh. And Mark is embarrassed and is like, look, can I explain? And she's like, oh no, you don't have to. He's like, no, I want to. He's like, when I was in college, I used to do a lot of squats. And I had a great, you know, ass. And now, it's not that it's terrible, but then he stops because he, see he sees that Ali's just finding this whole thing hilarious. And he's like, what? And Ali's like, oh, do men care about their, um, their... And Mark's like, look, I guess I'm threatened over this Jackson Duper. And I know Elaine goes for him. And, and that's the problem that I have with Elaine. Women, women shouldn't lust after guys. And then he's like, oh, forget it. Because he sees Ali's like, eyes. Yeah, do like, forget what? it. And Ali's like, you don't think women lust? And Mark continues. He's like, no, they shouldn't. Even allowing for the possibility that women, some women, some women might lust, they, they just shouldn't do it openly, which Elaine does. It's rude. It's not ladylike. And Ali's like, and that's what we should be above anything else, ladylike. And Mark's like, yes. And Ali's like, and that's why you dumped Elaine. And Mark's like, yes. And I was like, for fuck's sake, oh just get a fucking grip, Mark, you absolute oh fragile no. baby. <laughs> I was just like, seriously, fire this guy into the sun. Like, we've got RDJ, we've got Tay Diggs. Like, what is the point of Mark being here? And like, I could just see so much better. Why are you here, Mark? Like, why? You can't cope with life, <laughs> seemingly. So, yeah. Oh, God. Back in the courtroom, Renee and Jackson are doing their respective closings. And Renee starts and says, um, you heard what she said. Women are smarter than men. Women make for better mediators. If that's not gender bias, and men are more easily sexually distracted than women, they can't control themselves. What is that? She falls her arms. <laughs> 
And then we cut to Jackson doing his closing and he's like, here's a tip. Speaking as a man, when we meet a woman for the first time, we're not thinking, hmm, she looks intelligent. No, we go straight for the body parts. The package. And I was like, package. (laughs) And he was like, the first question we ask when we see any woman is, would I or wouldn't I? I'm not enjoying your moans here, Eleanor. (laughs) Would I or wouldn't I? Are we proud of it? No. But men do get more easily distracted by sex. And so then we cut back to Anae doing her closing, which I don't know if... Because I didn't think you were allowed to just, like, back and forth on closings. I thought one party did one. I I, I got the impression that they did do one and the other did the other. And they just just cut it together. together. That's what I thought, because it was not... Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so Renee... Back to Renee's closing. She goes, there's no evidence Mr. Mackey was distracted. Just because Mr. Duper goes around asking, would I or wouldn't I? Let's not saddle a whole gender with this Neanderthal outlook. And then cut back to Jackson going, what's wrong with single sex companies? I mean, we're doing it with schools now. Studies have shown that both men and women learn better because there's an increased concentration level. If we're doing it in schools, why can't we do it in businesses and law firms? (laughs) Oh okay. Yeah. So <laughs> see us in retrial on Patreon. <laughs> yeah. if you want to hear what we think about that. So over in the office, Ali comes out of her office and asks Elaine to come in there for a second. Um, where it turns out Mark is, and Ali, as per usual, is trying to be like office relationship <laughs> counselor. Oh my god! And Ali is like, Mark has something to say, and Elaine, who doesn't want any of it, is like, really tough <laughs> and she tries to leave but Ali's like uh-uh-uh and like forces her to stay and hear Mark out and Mark goes um sorry and he, he says it's not like I want to stop seeing you but it bothers me when you overtly grovel over other men the way you break out into a big sweat every time you simply look at Jackson Duper and I was like Mark have you seen Jackson Duper <laughs> he's a perfect specimen yeah. of a man and you are you. <laughs> There's no comparison. Anyway, and Elaine's like, well, I don't mean to, and I would never act on it. But then Mark cuts in and is like, come on, Elaine, as signals go, sweating puts out a pretty good one. And I was like, Mark, speaking as a sweaty woman, sweating is not something you can do on demand. <laughs> this reminds me of, like, men who think women can control their periods on demand. Oh, my God. Like, like it's peeing. Like, well, if, if they choose to bleed everywhere, like, it's just like, do you, you clearly do not know how like, the human body she's functions. Not, she's not doing it on purpose, you petty, tiny, small man, baby. <laughs> and Elaine's, like, really shocked that this is why he broke up with her. And Mark's like, well, it's insulting. And Elaine just says, look, these are the same old issues, Mark. The vibra, the... And Mark tries to argue that it's not that because this goes beyond. He says, being flamboyant or flamboyant or sexual is one thing. Overtly showing interest in other men is quite another. It's disrespectful. I don't do it to you. I don't want it done to me. And I was just like, Mark, get yourself a fucking ounce of self-esteem, you sad, strange little man. I mean, it's one of those things where it is, it is literally like she's just being mildly i'd say she's mildly flirtatious with with um jackson 
And I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. And then, and then the rest, and the rest of the time, it's just she's sweating, which she can't help. Nobody like, can help sweating. <laughs> I just want that out there. Nobody can help sweating. If you're having a physical reaction because you're attracted to someone, tough fucking shit. Like everyone's, a, everyone has like uh, the human ability to find someone else attractive, and there are natural physical responses to that to that, that you cannot. Yes control but what you can control is whether you want to act on that natural attraction and that's the important bit she's not (laughs) acting on it because she doesn't she wants to be in that god knows why but she wants to be in that relationship with you i just it's because the other thing i was going to say is uh, yet again ali is being the biggest i mean i know you said this kind of at the beginning of the scene but it's like ali you're being the biggest fucking village idiot there is like you just heard you just heard the awful shit that came out of this man's mouth about women shouldn't just in general lust after men and then your first thought was like let's get Elaine back her boyfriend this is like, a perfect guy for Elaine no luster do you know what I mean I'm just like what the fuck is wrong with you your first thought should be Let's keep Elaine away from this man for the rest of time because he's clearly not compatible. He's really awful. Like, you should I don't know, but he's really nice and kind. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) I don't know if you knew that. Oh, my God. He's so terrible. So, (laughs) Rich, he's like... I think he's... Do we hate Billy more than Mark or Mark more than Billy? (sighs) I think we hate Billy more than Mark because I Mark, know it's, it's getting he's going up. I, I just think Mark is way too dull. Not that Billy was like super interesting, but I think Mark is just like is is duller than Billy was. Um, and Billy's light shining brighter. Yeah, no, I, I, I do think Mark, ascended to Mark is not an interesting character. Like, I don't think he's interesting at all. No. So, no um, one was sniffing his butt. So. No, no. And I just kind of like, there's nothing... Uh, that It's just... Yeah, I'm just not interested in him in any way. Um, I think they've really done Elaine dirty, making her in a couple with this guy. Yeah, she deserves absolutely. so much better. Oh, completely, completely. But yeah, Debbie Kelly loves putting amazing women with shitty, mediocre men. <laughs> anyway, Richard and John are still in therapy, talking about shitty, mediocre men, um, and Richard is puffing on a cigar. Welcome saying, to Boys Town. Yeah, Richard is puffing on a cigar, and I'm like. I don't think you should be allowed to smoke cigars in therapy. I'm not here for this. But he's like, it's not about a glove. It's not about me. I know this man. It's about Melanie. And John starts to cut in saying, you don't know anything. But Richard is like, it's my turn, John. And you can let your words wash over me when I'm done. And John just goes, Mozambique. And the therapist is like, I'm sorry, did, did you just say Mozambique? And John's like, that's how Richard's father expressed affection. If you want to talk about weird, at which Richard corrects, annoyed, Mama Cat, not Mozambique. My favourite picture for the Red Sox, Bill uh, Mumbo Cat. Also, my father's favourite picture. It was a bonding thing. He didn't have to say I love you. He'd wink, he'd go Mumbo Cat, and I got it. It was his way. I got it. And John's like, 
Is that why the glove was such an issue? And Richard is like, the issue is, you asked Melanie to marry you, she turned you down, and you're the one projecting with the glove. He's upset over Melanie West, and I'm the fool guy. I know him when he gets lonely, and this is lonely John Cage and all his ugliness. <laughs> John then suggests that perhaps the therapist might ask Richard what he was doing with the glove. He was looking to play catch with Ling because he's jealous of her and an old boyfriend, and that's his idea of intimacy, to strike up a game of pickle. And they start snapping at each other again, and they stand up, which ends in Richard calling John a little runt. And John just goes, Hey, you just called me a runt. I demand to be mollified. <laughs> and at this the therapist gets up because they're both still standing and places a hand on either one of their shoulders and it's like are you both lonely and they all sit down uh, sorry are you both lonely and they just look at him and he's like it's not a trick question and he sits down and they both kind of lower themselves slowly in unison to sit and they're like pondering if that really is you know the answer um <laughs> Yeah. My God. Men. Men, eh? <laughs> so after this session, John's come back to the office and straight into another appointment with this time the Cajun Fish relationship. <laughs> yeah. Annie. Um, so Annie and John are sitting kind of opposite one another at a table with their heads resting on their forearms on the desk, like mm. staring at each other. And Annie's like, well, are you lonely? And John's like, well, it does hurt that Melanie turned me down. And Ali reminds John again that yes. she didn't reject him. But John's like, yeah, but she doesn't want to marry me. And she brought up couples counselling, but it was for me and Richard. What does that say? And Ali's like, well, it says that she knows you well enough to know that you're upset over your estrangement from Richard. She said she'd work on it. You should just give her time. And John just woefully says, well, maybe tis the season for melancholy. Mark and Elena split spill. And Ali's like, no, they're back together. I fixed it. And I'm like, Ali, no, that, you did not nothing. need to do that. <laughs> you made it worse. And then suddenly, Ali has this vision of Larry kind of sitting where John is sitting instead. And Larry says, you think you can just fix everything? And then it disappears as quickly as it came. And John is there asking Ali what's wrong as she has this like weird look on her face. And Ali's like, what did you say? And John puzzled. is like, I didn't say anything. Are you okay? And Ali's like, yeah, you will work it out with Richard because he's your best friend. And you will work it out with Melanie because you love her. And, and then as she takes a breath, she sees Larry again across the table who says, and the alternative is too unthinkable. And then she sort of smiles to herself as that vision disappears and John's there again. And she repeats what he just said in her hallucination back to John. I'm just like, it's really weird because, uh, it, well, first of all, I was like, RDJ, is that you? And it first happened because it was just like, just for a moment. And it was like, oh, do you, I miss RDJ in, in, in the episodes. Like, I don't know when it was that he was last in it, but... Yeah, actually, uh, it, I, last, I miss. I was like, oh, remember when you were here regularly? Let's um, <laughs> do RDJ watch for when he comes back. Because I'm like, watch. I miss him. Yeah, I know. I miss him. Yeah, so he left in episode twelve. So this is okay. Only the second episode. Only <laughs> the second enough. episode. Yeah, miss him already. But I find it really funny because it's like the show is like almost playing it like he's dead. Yeah, <laughs> like and it's like he's literally. Well, he might as well. <laughs> it's just like he's in Detroit, and I literally just Google 
cold. Like, how long is it to fly from Boston to Detroit? It's under two hours. Like, I'm just like, it's less than two hours away. It's really not that far. Like, I don't understand why you're playing it. Like, oh, it's been months. It's the worst thing that Larry could have done to Ali. It's just so weird. It's like, if that was a real relationship, long-distance relationship, you would be taking it in turns to, like, come see, see each, each other, other. every yeah. weekend. Like, that that would be a thing. If it's only... If it's less than two hours, yeah. you would be... Every Friday, one of you would be going to the other city yeah. and spending the weekend there. Yeah. Like, it really... It doesn't need to be that difficult. Yeah, it really wouldn't need to be a big deal at all. It's yeah. just so, like, yeah. weird the way the show is it's playing It's quite it. teenage, isn't it? So yeah. Like, we have been torn asunder. <laughs> yeah. He's in Detroit <laughs> and I am stuck here. In we can Boston. never see each other at all. Anyway, <clears throat> meanwhile, Jackson has found Ling in the complex. And Ling, this is a fashion moment that I wanted to shove in here because okay. she's just wearing this like massively oversized like brooch in the shape of yes. a spider. Diamante yeah. spider brooch. And I was like, it's not Halloween, is it? And I was no. like, no, it's fucking February. <laughs> What's happening? But yeah, I don't know if they were like really in in I the don't early know. 90s, but anyway. I liked it. Yeah. Jackson has found her to tell her that they have a problem. The jury came back with a question asking how many years was the plaintiff employed at the firm, which Jackson thinks means that they're trying to measure damages. So he wants to get another offer on the table fast. So Ling's like immediately, okay, I'll go and call Ms. Albright and and Renee and see if we can, you know, sort something out. Um, And Jackson asks Elaine if she can start drafting a settlement agreement. And Elaine, (laughs) like, whilst he's asking that, she's like openly thirsty for him like scrunching the side of her hair then Jackson walks away and she sees behind Jackson Mark's there and she like stops immediately she's like okay why not it so Richard and John have, have gone back to therapy like on this yeah to get Dr Madison's like assessment of their yeah. situation on the same day like yeah really odd. like John just came out to go and talk to Ali about it and then went back um <laughs> So Dr. Madison is like laying back with his eyes closed, congratulating them on the wonderful session this has been, saying, your lives are deepening and with the exploration of your inner world comes growth. And with that growth, pains. And Richard is like, look, Dr. Happy, I'm going to ask you once more to just cut to it and please don't commend me for the question. And um, the therapist opens his eyes and he's like, look, you've both opened yourself to love. You with Ling, Richard, and John, you with Melanie. And with those loves threatened of late, you've regressed into another place of security, that being your mutual friendship with each other. And you've become more demanding in that friendship. You each want uh, another to fill a void, and with this new demand comes frustration and anger. John, you first. If this relationship with Melanie fails, you see Richard becoming a focal point in your life again, and this scares you. This materialistic, sex-driven, hollowed-out shell of a person who locates esteem in his own personal wealth. I mean, who wouldn't be mortified to have him as a best friend? (laughs) And Richard, with the loss of Ling, your life turns again to John, this odd, little, disenfranchised, eccentric, eccentric... And the likelihood of being drawn into his world triggers a fear of becoming aberrant yourself, with perhaps a need of medication. For the first time, you've both held this friendship up to real scrutiny, 
I revealed it to be rather pathetic. And John just goes, well, good thing our eyes are open. I would have hated for that tsunami to wash over us. And Dr. Madison just announces, go to your women, repair what's there. This way, you can both remain ancillary to each other's lives, allowing you to veer away from codependency. Go, you funny people, venture out, live life. Don't be stuck with one another. (laughs) And John and Richard are like gobsmacked at being hit with the tea as Dr. Madison like puts his feet up, leans back and closes his eyes as they walk out. I kind of think he hit the nail on the head. <laughs> hit the nail on the head and the tea in the teapot, for sure. <laughs> well, the tea out of the teapot, he spilled oh it. Oh my gosh. So yeah, back with Jackson's scramble to get another offer on the table and Elaine is showing him the like standard release on her computer that she's like knocked up. Actually, did she print it out? Doesn't matter. Anyway, um, and Jackson is like leaning over her chair from behind to like read the document and is like reviewing and giving his corrections in that way. And poor Elaine's desperately trying to keep her like first in check, but like one tiny sweet sweat drip starts like rolling down her forehead. And Mark is fucking like stalking her, peering from around a wall, and the drip gets to her nose, and she like quickly gets a tissue to like wipe it away, but Mark sees it. And at this moment, Richard and John come off the elevator and get their messages and then they try and go in the opposite direction to each other and almost bump into each other and they're like grimacing and snarling at each other, like annoyed with each other. And then Ling walks over to Jackson and Elaine and announces that they just forget the settlement because they turned down the offer and because the jury has reached a verdict. And Jackson is like, oh, well, thanks, Elaine, anyway. And then him and Ling rush off to court. And Elaine is like like relieved, like sighing and like shuffling her papers where Mark just like pops up banging his hands on her desk hissing, I saw it, a big giant drip and Elaine is like, it was one lousy bead but Mark is like, it's not normal and I was like, Mark no, what is not normal? (laughs) He's spying on your girlfriend to see if she sweats yeah And Elaine is like, I'm working on it. And Mark's like, is it a gland thing? And Elaine's like, maybe. Look, I've been single since forever. So when I'm around an incredibly attractive, uh, maybe my body is just conditioned to giving off big, wet, soppy pheromones. I don't know. This is all new for me, this not being single. Look, I cut it down to one lousy bead. That's progress, isn't it? And I was like, yes, Elaine. Yes, it is. Like, do not feel like you have to answer to him. Like, seriously. It's awful. So John is in the bathroom, staring into the mirror with his hands over his eyes when Richard finds him and he just goes, constipated. (laughs) (laughs) And John, like, doesn't move his hands, but he just sort of uh, opens a slit between his, like, first and second fingers and so he can see through it. And Richard's like, I come in peace. Buzz like (laughs) urism, which I thought was really funny. Um, And John sort of turns away from him and is like, what do you want, Richard? And Richard goes, you're my best friend, John. And that's something. I'm even more proud of that than all my money. As long as you're going to stand in there with your eyes closed, let that wash over you. And John turns back around and looks at him and asks if he has plans for the next five minutes. And Richard's like, uh, not big ones. Why? (laughs) And John goes to his stall, like opens the door and points in there and is like, I want to take you somewhere. And Richard looks 
concern. Worry. <laughs> <laughs> Definite gay panic going on. Um, as uh, John sort of gestures for him to come over, and Richard's like, <sighs> takes a deep breath and goes with him. Meanwhile, back at the courthouse, the jury is back and has decided on a verdict, and they find in favour of Mr. Mackey, but they order Gloria to pay damages of $10,000. And Gloria is, like, really confused at the verdict, like, what was that? And Jackson's like, well, it means that they don't believe in gender bias, but their kids probably go to single-sex schools. (laughs) And Lynn's like, yeah, it's pretty much a victory as far as the money's concerned, because it's just, like, a token small amount. Um, And Gloria's like, but I was fighting for a principal. And Lynn's like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then Jackson sees Renee... And it's like, oh, I hope there's no hard feelings and, like, offers his hand to shake. And Renee shakes his hand and she's like, well, I'll have to think about it. And Jackson then asks her out for a drink and she's like, maybe. And Ling sees this and looks like, oh, I would like to drink by Jackson. Um, so Ling's like, I'm sorry I miss Jackson. I'm John's taking Richard into his hole. He's being poured a martini in there and he's like smoking his cigar and he's like, John, what I don't get is why keep this place a secret? All this time I thought we had rats. <laughs> and John's like, well, Richard, you can't escape if you reveal your hideaway. And Richard's like, well, what did Melanie say when you showed her? And John's like, oh, well, she, she squealed. Um, and then he's like, I don't think it's going to work out between us. I just have a feeling. And Richard's like, yeah, I get the same hit off of Lynn. And Richard's like, well, why did you decide to bring me here now? And John's like, well, I just didn't like what that doctor said about our friendship being pathetic. I don't think that it's pathetic. I cherish the... I just... And Richard's like, thought it was time to show me your hole. And John says, (laughs) indeed. And then Richard goes, John, mambo cat. And they, like, clink glasses. And it's very sweet. But I was like... I thought this was going to be the episode where John realises that Richard is just of no use to him whatsoever. <laughs> but no. And he'd be free of the fucking dead weight that is carrying him through his life. But no, they've made oh, wow. up. So we end the episode at the bar and Vonda is singing um, a song called Once in a Lifetime Thing by Gladys Knight. Um, and Elaine and Mark seem to be dancing happily. Um, and Renee is having that drink with Jackson at the bar. And she notices that he's kind of looking over at Ling. And it's like, so this thing between you and Ling, is it over or not? And Jackson's like, it is. Um, and Renee's like, well, you don't seem so sure. And Jackson's like, oh, I'm sure. And he smiles at Renee. Meanwhile, Ling is sat with Ali at a table. And they've noticed Renee and Jackson. And Ling is like, well, it looks like Renee finally found somebody. And Ali's like, yeah, maybe. And in the worst acting of all time, Ling's like, that's great. <laughs> and Ali's like, mm, yeah, I can tell you're thrilled. Um, and Elaine comes over and sits next to Ali and breaks that tension between them. And Ali's like, is everything okay, like, between you and Mark? And Elaine's like, oh, I don't know. It seems to be a real relationship. And Ali's like, well, isn't that a good thing? And Elaine's like, yeah, I guess it is. It's a great thing. If only I knew how to have one. Ali, my idea of communicating with a man is to stick my breasts out. Besides their need for sex, I don't have a clue about them. What do I do from here? And Ali's like, well, you love him. You be honest with him. Be there when he needs somebody to hold on to. And every now and then, you tell him that he has a really nice ass. 
And then she like sips her martini. And I was like, look at Ali with the sage advice. Yeah. Times have changed. <laughs> but I was like, is it a great thing, Elaine? No, <laughs> And so we end with Vonda singing her little heart out, Ling gazing at Jackson from her table, talking to Renee. And they seem like, Jackson and Renee, it seem like they're having a really good date. Like. Yeah. And then back in their office, Richard and John are playing catch with their baseball glove, like the sad little BFFs that boys they are. they are. Boys will be boys and in boys town. <laughs> the end. I mean... Like, what an ode to, like, toxic and fragile masculinity yeah. this episode is. And how, like, people just want to stay in the, like, unhealthy situations they're in, even when it's pointed out to them. Yeah, and I feel like there was something, something rubbed me the wrong way about this episode, and I don't know if I'm going to do a very good job of explaining it, but, like, it seemed very, like, what it was trying to say was... Look how bad men have it these days. While these women get to have agency over their own lives, um, it's it's really gone too far now because men, it's really impacting men badly now. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, women are allowed to lust over men and look how look how sad that was for Mark. And, like, and I was just look like, how emasculating that is. I don't know, I was just like... There is Women a, are firing men. Yeah, I was like, there is a story, definitely, uh, many stories to be told about how, like, toxic and fragile masculinity does harm men, but this isn't this is how that happened. Like, yeah. this isn't one, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I get what you mean. Yeah. I get what you mean. Um, yeah, it's a funny one. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that, 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 that's the end of that. Cool. Verdict of the week. The jury's back. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to be giving a guilty to Mark because he thinks women can't be full human beings. Uh, they don't have human emotions like lust. They don't have human functions like sweating. This, I can't <laughs> say, like, Mark, I've got him a bit guilty as well. Like, he's just a piece of shit. Like, like firstly, dumping Elaine out of nowhere. Yes. Like, what a fucking dick. Yes. And then, she, when she allows you back into her life, yeah. but being so fucking insecure that you forbid her to have normal bodily functions. Like, <laughs> you absolute ass. Like, I'm sorry. And then it's just like... And there's Elaine being like, oh no, I need to keep him. What do I do now? I'm like, you do nothing, you goddess. And like, Ali being be worrying like, about staying with you. And Ali being like, oh, let me facilitate their makeup because poor Mark. Like, it's just like, what the fuck is this? I just, the thing is, like, I can understand getting uh, upset if you felt like, um, your partner was being like overly flirtatious with other people. I I can understand that, and I think that that uh, the limit on on that kind of behaviour is subjective. Like mm. some people don't mind it at all. Some people absolutely mind it. But it's yeah. just kind of like, but when it comes to like sweating, like I'm just like. 
No, okay, I draw the line at you, like, like uh, trying to regulate my normal human bodily functions. This is this was my point about you're never gonna be able to ban your significant other from being attracted to other people. No, it's fucking impossible. No, what you can have a conversation about is what you do to like consciously act on those natural feelings like what you're comfortable with as a couple and what you're not and and that's going to be different couple to couple it is but as far as i'm concerned elaine didn't really act i mean like she didn't she's always been flirtatious very flirtatious anyway and that's the thing is like i'm sorry but you knew who elaine was and I, I don't, and to expect someone to just completely change their personality because they're now in a couple. But I feel like she I has changed it in a reasonable way now. Yes, I agree. Because she's no longer, like, she would, back in the day, be, like, draping herself all over him, rubbing up against yeah, him, being, yes. like, saying suggestive things and yes, inviting him out yes. to possess. So for she's Elaine, not doing yeah, so of for that. Elaine, she's being very restrained. Yeah. Out of respect, respect. of her relationship. Yeah. But for Mark, it's not good enough. And it's just like, I, uh, uh, okay, so uh, then you're not compatible then. Yeah, it's not going to work out. You're not compatible. It's not going to work out. Like, and you certainly, like, losing your shit over someone sweating. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. He kept bringing up the sweat thing, and I'm like, the sweat thing is not the thing. Like, you're insane. Like, uh, she has no control over sweating any more than you do, you fucking weirdo. And he kept describing the sweating as being one of the things she was doing to be overtly sexual. And I'm like, that's not... She's not in control of that. Women are not in control of how they sweat any more than men are. So you need to pipe down. Sad, sad, strange. He is, he is a sad, sad, and boring. That's the thing. I'm just like, you're boring with it too. Where do you get off thinking you're in any way got any leg to stand on in demanding anything of any woman? Yeah, you're bringing nothing to the table. You're bringing literally, in fact, you're taking away from the table, and it's just like, like, know your place, Mark. Oh, what a shit. So yeah, he's my guilty as well. Yeah. Double guilty. And then spying, spying on her. Oh yeah. As well, like to to, to monitor her behaviour. I like that is abusive stuff. I mean that's a red flag. Yeah. Material, that that, that is to me is like if you if you weren't like if your ears weren't pricked with red flags at the whole can you stop sweating I forbid it talk then you definitely should be concerned by the I've been monitoring you from across the office and I have noticed that you have sweated exactly 12 beads today yeah like that that is absolutely abusive uh, partner behaviour not partner behaviour not cool so um, get rid of him Elaine dump his ass boom 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 (laughs) Ali stop trying to reconcile yeah, Ali. shitty men with good women don't, just because your boyfriend's moved less than two hours away doesn't give you the right to start manipulating other people's sex lives oh, yeah so yeah. yeah so what did you think of this episode do you agree with us that uh, you know Mark should just fuck off <laughs> and that Larry should come back or do you disagree are you like actually Mark's so nice so kind guys <laughs> he's so you just don't kind. understand 
Have you not seen how kind he is? Look at him. He cares so much. He's covered he her sweaty eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and let us know. We are on Twitter at Bygones Podcast. We're on Facebook at Bygones Podcast. We're on Instagram at Bygones Pod. Or you can email us, as we said earlier, bygonespodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, when we won't be in the same room, Bygones! <laughs> We had our share of the sun When we Had our days Dipped in fun